But I don't know about you, it's something I don't ever want to be, and I honestly don't want our neighborhood church family to ever become, is a cliche. You know, cliches are those, those things in life that we often tend to, tend to throw into conversation when we feel uncomfortable or, you know, the, the, the content of the conversation is too complicated to, you know, really dive into the emotional deep end. And, and oftentimes we, if you're like me, we, we have a certain disdain for cliches because they feel fake, right? They feel too easy. They, 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 they're kind of too simple and, and general of a way to engage the complexity of life. And yet, we've all probably been guilty of throwing them into a conversation at a time or two. But they, they, they tend to remove the depth and the complexity from a conversation or a circumstance. They, they pull us away from the opportunity to engage deep life and spirituality and community together. There's most certainly an, an endless list of, of cliches that permeate our society and, and our culture for that matter, but, but some of the favorites and most recognizable, I, I'm sure you would, would agree, would be some of these. Cool as a cucumber. I don't really know what that means, other than I think cucumbers are often chilled, maybe put in the refrigerator so they're cool. So I guess, you know, cool as a cucumber. There you go. Chomping at the bit. Yeah, we're chomping at the bit to get to lunch, and hopefully Dan will stop talking at some point. Chomping at the bit. Hook, line, and sinker. He got him hook, line, and sinker. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I'll hear or use a cliche that I don't really understand the meaning or the origin of. You ever been in that place where you say something, you're like, where did that come from? And you get on your phone or you ask Siri, you know, to tell you where hook, line, and sinker came from. Or maybe this one, in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. This is one that's probably been used countless times in the last year and a half. We're all in the same boat here. We're all, you know, we just have different sized paddles. I don't know. There's never a dull moment. There's definitely never a dull moment in our house. Paying the piper. Yeah, we, like, we love to pay the piper. We always love to pay the piper, you know, on, on tax day. Or uh, perhaps selling like hotcakes. Yeah. If you don't know what selling like hotcakes looks like, just go to McDonald's. They sell hotcakes. Anyways. The writing's on the wall. The writing is on the wall. Or uh, everyone's favorite kind of behind the eight ball here. All you billiard people with the three-fingered gloves, you know, you love the behind the eight ball. But, you know, interestingly enough, we have some of our own Christian cliches, some of our own little sayings. Sometimes we like to call them Christianese, our own little language. You know, that if, if people walked into the church, they'd be like, what in the world are you talking about? You know, God is good. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, we, we love to do it. And then people walk in, they're like, was I, was I supposed to echo? I don't know if I was supposed to echo. Is that a members-only thing? And we tend to throw these things out. But here's some of our favorite Christianese sayings. Too blessed to be stressed. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Right, we throw that one around. It's like, really, are you, though? I mean, 
It is well with my soul. Love the sinner, hate the sin. You guys can say with me. I mean, this is an interactive conversation. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Come on. You don't have to be from the Bible belt to love that one. Bless this food to our bodies. Might be saying that here in about 30 minutes or so. Take it to the Lord in prayer. God helps those who help themselves. You can't outgive God. And then everybody's favorite. A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. All right? Here you go. You're all laughing, but you've all said them, so I mean, you know. Well, but over the, the next several weeks, we want to be spending some time looking at our favorite Christian cliches. Not for the sole purpose of making fun of ourselves, although we'll do a little bit of that, because we have to. I mean, come on now. Church should be fun, right? But we want to find some new meaning in these age-old sayings. We want to press into what's really being said. And if we're honest, we've all likely offered one of these up, or several of them, in the context of conversation with all the sincerity we could muster. Sometimes the complexity of the situation or the difficulty of the conversation, it's all we could muster up to say, God is good all the time. The reality is cliches permeate our language and our communication. Literally, they're a dime a dozen. In their purest and most sincere form, cliches are at times the only mechanism we have to convey a thought or a feeling or an idea for which we have no other words. It's just the best we can do. That said, cliches become a dangerous thing when we let them sit on the surface too long. When we use them to avoid getting messy, thinking deeply, or becoming emotionally involved in community, they can become dangerous. We just kind of throw them out there and just leave them. You know, as I think about these things, we seem to use almost without thinking. I have, I've come to realize that that's these same one-liners that sometimes cause me to cringe or roll my eyes have just enough truth sometimes to really work. So the question becomes, do we abandon our cliches or hang on to them for dear life? Today I want to unpack the Christian cliche, let go and let God. Let go and let God. This is one we often hear. Heck, I used it in the last couple weeks. Of course, I acknowledged its clicheness. But we try and encourage, I was trying to encourage a friend who was struggling through a difficult situation, struggling with the worry surrounding an important life decision. I said, just let go, let God. I said, I understand that's cliche, but what I mean is sometimes you have to lay down your worry and your concern and your stress. And you just have to say, God, I trust you. 
At its best, this phrase truly highlights the value of surrender. Embracing God as God and you are not, so lay down your knowledge and your experience and your know-how, your excuses and your fears. Let go and let God. If we're not careful, though, the phrase can be wielded as, as, as if the symbol of Christianity is not a cross, but instead a couch. Well, just let go and let God. Okay, now I can just sit down in my little lazy boy recliner and pull on the little weird arm thing and pop my, my feet up. Now I can just kind of relax. We can subtly use this phrase to pump the brakes on striving or the working or the effort required to work out our faith. And we can just kind of let go and let God. And well, now just kind of throw caution to the wind. As we spend time discussing what it means to truly let go and let God, it is important we really understand what it is and what it isn't. Our text today is found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. If you have your Bible, you can flip there with me. If you don't, uh, the YouVersion Bible app is available on your mobile device. Uh, just look up Neighborhood Church Events. But in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6, Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you. We thank you that in the midst of crazy seasons, in the midst of uncertainty, we can come to you and we can know that you are God. We can come to you and know that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. And so as we grapple with the realities of what it truly means to let go and let God, Father God, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts and you'd challenge us to understand what you are doing in the midst of the chaos, the ways in which you are moving in our lives and on our behalf. So God, we place our trust in you today and we thank you for what you're going to accomplish in our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, in this passage of Scripture, Paul is challenging the church in Philippi, and to us for that matter, to understand that we can move beyond the anxieties of life to thankfulness and prayer. That we can move past the worry and the concern and the stress to understand that God is moving. He says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Present. What does that word mean? In the Greek, it's the word aitamata. means to ask or request or petition. To place our petitions before God. To say, God, I trust that you are bigger and greater than my circumstances, and so I bring my requests to you. So what does it look like then to choose to let go and let God? There's a few things I think we need to understand when it comes to this reality. The first is this. Letting go embraces a posture of surrender, not one of giving up. 
Letting go is a posture of surrender, not giving up and just saying, well, I just can't do it anymore. At our core, I believe every one of us struggles with an element of control freakedness. I think I just made that word up. Congratulations, you're welcome. But there's an element of control freak in all of us. I mean, if we're going to be honest, some of you won't, and that's okay. I'll pray for you. But we can all admit that in some area of our life, we like to control things. For you, maybe it's your, your home or your kids. We've tried to control our kids. It hasn't worked very well. We're still trying. But, you know, our schedules, our finances, we all have an area where we like to control. Maybe you're a business owner. You like to control your business. I admit I have an element of, of OCD, a little, bit of, a little bit of obsessive over things. If you don't believe me, just ask our staff. You know, when we go to hang something on a wall or do a project, I'm back there like doing this thing and like, you know, measuring this out and coming this side and measure this out and it doesn't look quite right. Is it crooked? I think it's crooked. And I, you know, get a little bit obsessive. I'm not as bad as my brother though, all right? Okay, my, my brother is real bad. Like to the point where when we go to their house, we love to walk around. He's over there wiping everything down and picking up after everybody. And, you know, we'll, we'll walk over to the, the counter and, you know, take the toaster and just kind of go. And then just walk away. And he's, you know, what's what going on over here? You know, so I'm not as bad as him, okay? Just so we're clear. But we like to control things. We like to have some semblance of control over our world until things get out of control. You ever notice that? We like to be in control until stuff gets out of control. And then we're like, well, it's not my problem. I mean, I just, you know. As I said before, I'm a, a bit of a neat freak. You know, kind of like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a place for everything and everything in its place. I'm one of those guys, you know. And I just, I like to have things organized. I, I, my domains are the garage and my shed. That's it. Everything else is up for debate. But I like to have those areas organized. So I spend time, I go out there, I get everything all set up and put in its spot and, you know, get the shed all organized and all the stuff, and, you know, where it needs to be hung up and, you know, make sure there's a good perimeter around my moped so nobody breathes on it. And what happens? Our kids come home and they just, they just drop stuff. I'll come out in the garage and I'll be like, what, what is going on here? What, why is this here? It was in the shed and then you came and you just dropped it in the garage. Like, go put it back in the shed. And it'll happen enough to the point where I'll just give up and I'll just say, you know what? I don't even care. I don't care. It looks like a disaster area. I don't even care. Because it's, it's too hard to get people to do what you've asked them to do sometimes. But God's desire is not that we would give up. Just that we would surrender control. Not easy, though. Matthew 16, 24. 
And Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my, my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus was constantly speaking to his disciples about laying their lives down. And it was funny because they didn't get it. If you remember, the conversations were ongoing. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Okay, hey, when you get to your place in glory, right, when you return to your kingdom, can one of us be on your right and your left? You know, they were just, they were always like striving. Can this happen? Can that happen? And they didn't get it. And Jesus continually said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. We have to lay things down. We have to be willing to surrender. And we oftentimes think about this posture of surrender and we get to this place of saying, well, I've, I've tried so hard and I've done all these things and nothing's worked, so I just give up. And we see surrender as that. But I tend to think that the posture of surrender looks more like this than this. When it comes to surrendering to God, it's, God, I give, give you control. I see you as God, and I'm not. And so I'm, I'm laying this down. I'm laying my worries, my concerns, my stresses, my life. I'm giving them to you. Not, oh my gosh, I've tried so hard, and it's not working. I just, I'm done. I'm done. But too often, that's how we live. Our decision to surrender to God's plan and purpose literally disarms power of anxiety in our lives, lifting the lid off of what is possible. When we choose to step into what God is desiring for our lives, when we choose to open our hands and let go of the things that we're clinging so hard to, the anxiety starts to dissipate. The power of worry and concern and anxiety and stress loses its grip on your life because you realize at the end of the day, None of us have control of our lives anyways. I'm not guaranteed my next breath. I'm not guaranteed my next day. And yet we cling so hard. But God's desire is that when we let go, we would embrace that posture of surrender. The second thought is this. Letting go is more soldiers and athletes than sunsets and naps. Letting go is more work than it is just flopping down and saying, well, I give up. I'm just going right? to. Too often we, we tend to associate letting go with being at the end of our rope. Oh, I'm hanging on for dear life and I just, oh, just let go and let God. 
When we get to the place of being physically and mentally and emotionally exhausted, maybe spiritually exhausted, and we find ourselves in a place of not wanting to strive anymore, not wanting to work, but just to give up. I mean, most of the time we feel like we've tried everything anyways. So what point is there in continuing to strive? The reality is we often strive after the things that are important to us. We work and we work and we work and we work and we work. And God says, whoa, 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 what are you doing over there? This is what I had for you. This is the plan and the purpose that I have for you. And we strive, we strive, we strive. And we often tend to forget that the Christian life is a grueling one. If you've ever read the Pilgrim's Progress, it wasn't this like, you know, like, well, you know, yellow brick road. There was struggles. There was tough stuff. There was temptation. There were people. There were scoffers. There were people that that he, he, he encountered. When, when Paul reflects on the journey of faith, he thinks of running tracks and boxing rings because it's hard. Trusting God is hard. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 24, Paul says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? So run in such a way as to get the prize Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Soldiers and athletes. Not sunsets and naps. God is desiring that we would strive after him, that we would work, that we would train. I had the privilege to run track in high school and college. And there was one thing that I remember very well. Training sucks. It's not fun. Is there any of you that that like to work out, like to, you know, it hurts. I mean, if you're doing it right, it doesn't feel great. And yet, that, that is the picture that Paul gives us. I beat my body to bring it into submission. I run so that I wouldn't be disqualified from the prize. Letting go is not an action of laying down and giving up and just going, oh, I, I've worked so hard, I need a siesta. It's an understanding that we're called to live our lives striving for God's purpose, reaching, struggling. We're called to work out what God has already worked in us. Did you hear that? We are called to work out what God has already worked in us. It's laboring not for our salvation, but from it. Are you still trying to be in right standing with God? 
Are you still trying to do the things that you need to do to be a good Christian? Because at the end of the day, when you said yes to following Jesus, your path became new. It was no longer striving for salvation. It was moving forward from it to live out the faith, to live out the forgiveness, to live out the salvation that Jesus has given you. Philippians 2, chapter 2, verse 12. says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We're called to work out our salvation. We're called to, to, to work to show ourselves approved. We're called to reflect the love of Jesus and the things that we say and we do. And there's always going to be times when we come to the end of our physical strength and ability but we can be assured that God possesses the power and the perseverance needed for us to finish our race. God is never going to throw you out there and just say, well, figure it out. Good luck. <laughs> Everything you need is there, but you know, you're on your own. No, it's when we open our hands and we say, God, I, I, I need your strength. I need your help. I need you to carry me through this. We've got to understand that letting go embraces a posture of surrender, and it's more soldiers and athletes than it is just giving up and laying down. The final thought is this. Let go and let God should become trust God and get going. Let go and let God should become trust God and get going. Because our faith in Jesus Christ is not a faith in Jesus Christ unless there's actions that accompany it. Faith without works is dead. So if we choose to trust God, if we proclaim that we trust God, if we make the decision to follow God, there is an active part of faith that we must live out. J.I. Packer was the one who coined that phrase. The Christian's motto should not be let go and let God, but trust God and get going. Because when we come to the place of deciding to let go and let God, we are actually embracing a life of trust in God's plan and purpose. The reality remains that doubts will constantly creep up and temptation will come and circumstances will strive to steal the joy that we have in life. And sometimes they'll even want to come in and pull us away from God's purpose. But it's when we choose to lean into God's plan and purpose and trust Him that we truly see victory. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we press into the decision to trust God, 
there will be adversity that will come. The beautiful thing is God says, come to me. Come to me when you're struggling. Come to me when you're stressed out. Come to me when worry is overwhelming you at every angle that you can't even see outside of this situation. Come to me. I will give you rest. You know, it's in these moments of doubt that we need to choose to focus on on the promises found in the Bible. The promises of God that are there for us. God's promises never fail, Joshua 21, 45. God is always with us, Joshua 1, 9. God is faithful, Hebrews 10, 23. God is kind and compassionate, Isaiah 54, 10. God designed me for a purpose, Ephesians 2, 10. God will strengthen and help me, Isaiah 41, 10. God has a plan for my life, Jeremiah 29, 11. Plans to prosper me and not to harm me. If we're willing to embrace the promises of God, they will propel us forward in his purpose. But we have to choose. We have to choose daily to let go and let God. Catherine Pulsifer said, let go of what the culture tells you that you should be. Let God's word give you direction for your life and let his word be encouragement for each day of our lives. Who's encouraging you? Who are you going to for encouragement? Where are you going for encouragement? Is it to your spouse, to your kids, to your family? Is that your source of encouragement? I can guarantee you right now, I'm probably not the best encourager to my wife every day. I have my moments, maybe. Are you going to your friends and people at church for encouragement? That's great. They'll have off days, too. Are you going to a therapist for encouragement? Those are important people. They play an important role in helping us through difficult seasons and through mental health. But God should be our source of encouragement. The Bible is full of promises to bring us through difficulty, to help lift us in the midst of uncertainty. But we have to be in the Word. We have to be willing to go to the Word. We have to be willing to engage our walk with Jesus. Church, the plans of God are without flaw, And they lack nothing. Nothing. And when we choose to let go and let God, we are actively choosing God's perfect will and plan for our lives. God's plan for you and for me is without fail. But we have to choose his plan. We have to choose to trust him. We have to choose to press in to what he's desiring for our lives. We've got to come back to that place of letting go and letting God. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of difficult circumstances, we can truly let go and let God. We can understand that that posture of surrender is the first response we should have, not the last. 
So help us, God, to understand that as we wake up in the morning to face our day, that our first posture, our first action should be one of surrender. Knowing that your plans are perfect, that your purpose is without fail, that you have great things in store for our lives, that you will bring us through the good times and the bad, and that your grace is sufficient. So I pray that we would, we would be reminded, Father, of how much you love us. That we'd be reminded that you created us in your image to do good works in your name. And I pray, Father, that we would be willing to let go of our own thoughts and desires and stresses and worries and dreams and hopes and we would be able to lean in to your plans and your purpose. Father, it's a, it's a daily decision. Help us not to, not to miss one moment striving for our own desires. God, that we would always be striving to work out our faith knowing that you love us. God, we worship you. This morning, perhaps you are in a place where you've been struggling through seasons. You've been struggling through realities of not knowing how to let go. Perhaps you've never known what it looks like to let go and, and let God. Never known what it looks like to follow Jesus with your whole heart, to step into a purpose in life that is bigger than just you. This morning, whether you're here in the house or you're tuning in online, our greatest desire is to provide the opportunity for you to say yes. For you to say, you know what, God, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've not been able to fix it. I've not been able to, to, to make it work. I've not been able to make sense of it all. So today I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes to following you. I'm saying yes to letting go. I'm saying yes to Jesus. In a moment, we're going to say a prayer. And we would ask you to pray with us. Perhaps you're making the decision to follow Jesus for the first time. Or perhaps you've been away from your faith and you've chased things in life that have taken you away from God's plan and purpose. We want to come beside you and, and pray as a church family, understanding every one of us is in a place of needing to daily step in to our faith in Jesus Christ. And so if that's you, we would ask that you just say this prayer with us. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that Christ was raised from the dead, you will be saved. That you will come from a place of striving and trying and working to accomplish our own plans to a place of stepping into God's plan for your life. So this morning, if that's your desire, would you pray this prayer with us? And church, would you say this prayer so that we don't single anybody out or embarrass anyone? Say, Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. 
I believe your son Jesus Christ came to this earth to show me how to live. And he died and was raised back to life so that I could have a relationship with you. Change the things in me I can't change. I choose to live for you today. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We're so grateful this morning to be able to share that decision with you. If you've made that decision for the first time, we'd ask that you write something down on the connection card or email us to let us know. We'd love to partner with you, get you a Bible, help you as you take your next steps in this journey. But church, as we go throughout our day, as we go through our week, we have the opportunity daily to let go and let God. We have the opportunity to choose to trust God in every situation, good or bad. So my encouragement to you this week is let's be those who reflect the love of Jesus to the people that we come in contact with. And as we make the decision to let go and let God, let's make it a posture of surrender, not a posture of giving up. There are too many people who are on the cusp of giving up today who need somebody to come along side of them and show them what it means to surrender. It's going to be a great week as we daily go about our days and find those opportunities to reach outside of ourselves. But let's continue to make that decision and that decision in our week to be the neighborhood. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.